Night Call with Simon Lim. Tonight on my show, my special phone-in guest connected online is Mark Chan, and he's a Singaporean composer, recording artist, singer, instrumentalist, and painter. And first and foremost, congratulations, Mark, on being able to get back into your gym routine, and you're looking great. <laughs> Thank you, Simon. Thank you. It's been a long haul. Now, Mark, you've had knee replacements, hip replacements, and you even suffered, you know, pain in the wrist and shoulder before. So, what exactly happened? You know, um, the hips and the knees have given away from too much sports when I was younger. You know, I used to swim for Singapore, and then when I stopped swimming, I took up tennis with a vengeance. Mm-hmm. And so it's partly genetics. I overuse, really overuse, hours and hours on the hard court playing tennis, thinking that I was at that time uh, John McEnroe. But how long were you out of action from the gym? Hadn't been to the gym for eight years until seven months. Ago. Eight years. Eight long years. Wow. Um, partly because um, my wrists had an injury, but also my hips were very, very painful, and so were my knees. Um, the last thing I did was to replace both my knees uh, about a year and a half ago. And then seven months ago, I said, "Okay, there's no excuse now. Time to go back to the gym." And I'm really happy I'm going. And on my show, you know, Mark, I feature guests from all walks of life, and some of them have spoken about you know aging well. So, what's your view on aging? You have to be realistic, and at the same time, you have to shut that realistic part of your thinking out and say that I need to do this for myself. I'm over sixty, so uh, one of the things we know now is that older folk. Uh, men and women, but especially men, need to try and go to the gym after 55 because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of their muscle deteriorates. And when we push heavier weights in the gym, we solve a lot of problems associated with diabetes, with heart, with strokes,、uh, depression, and things like that.、Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a very bad shoulder; my left shoulder was bad for years. But now that I've gone back to the gym. It's almost like back to normal, and I, I had written it off. Some of my doctor friends say, "Oh, you need to get your shoulder have surgery." I said, "No more surgery, please. No more surgery." A lot of the time, it's very hard to start. A lot of the time, it's hard to carry on. But to try and enjoy what you're doing, but don't overdo it. But you know, you gotta push yourself. And I'm following you on social media to see your progress. So, what do you enjoy about being Singaporean? I mean, is it the ability to embrace and appreciate diversity of culture? When I was、um, in secondary school, I said to myself, "I can play the guitar, I can play the piano, I write songs, but why can't I start playing Asian instruments?" So I picked up the Chinese flute and the Japanese shakuhachi on my own. So in 1980 something,、uh, I told Polygram I wanted to make an album integrating Asian instruments into my songs, and they were quite keen. But、uh, it was in 1991 that I made China Blue. Which had one English song, one Chinese song, and the rest were all instrumentals, mixing various、uh, instruments from the region, especially Southeast Asia、mm. and in Greater Asia, and mixing it with electronic sounds, with keyboards, with piano. At that time, even quite early on,、um, I realized that I did not want to be fixed onto one tradition. And being Singaporean, the real strength of being Singaporean is number one: the weakness becomes a strength. Number one: you don't have a strong culture like Japanese culture, like、mm-hmm. Chinese culture. But because I didn't have that structure fixed onto me, I said. I'll make my own. I'll try and be good at various things, and I'll integrate them into my own style of music, 
my own style of composing, of performing. So I think Singapore, that's the real strength creatively for Singaporeans. I think、mm-hmm. that we can pick and choose. We can decide how to colonize ourselves.、Uh, we we will say that I, I'm going to be a modern Malay rap artist, or I'm going to be、uh, a Chinese brush painter with leanings to Picasso, or that kind of thing. It's all open. It's valid, and、uh, it's something you should really embrace. I think as a Singaporean. And today I'm talking to Mark Shan. He's a reputable Singapore composer, record. Artist, singer, instrumentalist, and painter, and Mark, stay with me right here on the show. I have a lot of questions for you, so keep it right here on One FM ninety one point three. Okay? Okay. Night call. With Simon Lim on the line with me is my special guest Mark Chan. He's a reputable Singapore composer, recording artist, singer, instrumentalist, and painter. Now, Mark, let's go back to a time when you studied, you know, fine arts at Edinburgh College of Art. What can you tell my listeners about, you know, those days? What subjects did you delve into? I studied history of art. I studied architectural art, and I studied a lot of、um, Eurocentric fine art, like paintings, sculpture. Moving into modern art, it was basically Europe and USA, North America.、Uh, it was actually just being away from Singapore that helped to define my perception, my my concept of who I was, and that was very important. I was only one of two Asians; another was a a girl from Penang. We we felt that we were very isolated, you know, and no one understood where we came from.、Mm-hmm. And at some point. Uh, I, I felt that I had to make a stand and try and explain to people. At that time, they were、um, very interested to listen to learn, and then they said, "But we can't find books." It was early days, a long time ago, and also it was cold in Scotland. Quite an experience.、Uh, around four years ago, you had an art show at the Esplanade where、ah. you know fifty new works were on display: paintings and calligraphy. So, talk to me about your artworks. I mean, what is the process like for you? As an artist, I mean, do you form an idea first, or inspire it, and then start work on that art piece? I think it's because of the nature of my medium that I choose to work in.、Uh, I think that influences my process.、Mm. So I, I paint with Chinese brush, ink on paper, you know,、uh, rice paper, which they say in English, shuanzhi、uh, Mandarin, and it has a certain live performance. Element to it, which is quite special and perhaps unique to ink painting,、mm. Chinese ink painting. I used to paint in oil and acrylic. I used to paint with crayons and pastels, and that's quite different. That's a little bit more measured. You can take your time, and that requires a more, maybe a more structured kind of approach. You have to decide what you want to do with this and that. Yes. If you make a mistake with oil, for example,、uh, you can cover it. You can push the oil paints.、Uh, you can cover it with different pigments. Whereas、uh, the medium that I I love, which is、um, Chinese brush ink on paper, whatever you do shows it's there. It's clear. It's visible. So the actual painting time tends to be shorter, and I, I think it's very close to two things: either a dance performance or a singing performance. Really, a performance. Once you start, okay, the basic part of the painting may take twenty minutes, and that's it.、Uh, whatever you've done, you then have to decide: now, is it junk or is it worth keeping?、Mm-hmm. Uh, different feel to what I do. Sometimes I plan a great deal, but most of the time, after all the planning, when the brush goes on the paper, it has a life of its own, and you have to learn how to follow it. 
yeah, it's, it's a real lesson in life. You have to learn that you can't control everything. You can plan something, but once it starts, the brush, the ink and the paper have their own story to tell. Maybe it's just part of you, your subconscious. You have a style of your own. So um, what can you say about, you know, expressing yourself really through calligraphy? Yeah, between my paintings and my calligraphy, I'm finding that there's a very growing proportion of people who just love my calligraphy and I'm not trained. I'm not a trained calligrapher. As a person going through life, you look at a lot of things. You're always looking at things. And these memories, the traces of these memories, the meanings, they stay with you subconsciously. For most artists, for most composers, it's a very important part of their, their psyche, mm. their memory, their thoughts. And for me, I, I think the calligraphy reflects two things. The fact that I've traveled a great deal from young, traveled around the world. I went to China in 1975, mm. before the end of the Cultural Revolution. I've been to Japan, I think, 30 times when I was signed to the Japanese company. All that comes out. And the second part, which is important, is I'm also a musician. I'm also a composer. And that cannot be denied when you look at my calligraphy, you look at my paintings, it comes through. So that's what makes it unique. And also the fact that I'm not trained. I had no rules to stick to. I love your artworks, by the way. And uh, it's so uh, nice you. You know, to have you on my show. Really an honour to have you. Mark Chan, a Singaporean composer, recording artist, singer, instrumentalist, painter, and of course, calligrapher. Okay. Yeah, stay with me right here on the show because, you know, the interview has only started halfway, okay? Okay. Night Call with Simon Lim. On the line with me is my special guest, Mark Chan. And you can follow Mark on his Instagram. His Instagram handle is MarkChanArts. Okay, Mark, you have a cool history, you know, of being a music composer. You were resident composer of theatre works for 10 years. And just to name one prominent production, Lear, which was staged in Japan, Hong Kong, Singapore, Indonesia, Australia, Germany and Denmark. So what is the fond memory that you have of Lear? Lear, we had different artists from uh, performers from different countries. There was a Beijing opera singer, uh, a Noor actor, a Biwa player from Japan, and then a Gamelan orchestra, uh, and then various Singaporeans and Thai performers and Indonesians. Mm. Um, other than, than, than moving on stage and singing, when I'm working as a musician on the sides, I sit next to one of the living treasures of Japan, uh, the Biwa player Handa San. We just hit it off from day one. I remember she said to me, So, you are Mark Chang? And I said, Yes, and you are Handa's son. And she said to me, Do you speak Japanese? And I said, Yes, I speak Japanese. And I tried a few smatterings of things. And then she says, Is that all? And then I said, Toyota. <laughs> <laughs> and then she said, Merlion. <laughs> it's really the people that you work with, even in the very big productions, it's the people that make it special. Uh, a lot of the time, the, the people who are top in their, in their fields, they're either very humble or they're very strange. Or sometimes they're the mix of both. I think this is one of the things that I, I take away from all those years of working in theatre, with theatre works, also working with Kopa Kun, and they take you for your own worth, at your own value, and you become their peers. And mm -hmm. that's one of the great things which I had from quite young. Mark, you know, I'll be featuring some of your music in an upcoming episode of my podcast, but how would you describe your music evolution, you know? My first album was in 1985 with uh, WEA, Face to Face. It was an English pop album. And then the second album was the Polygram uh, Book of Dreams. That's one of my favourite albums. That was in 1987. 
And when I first started out, I was I was a pop songwriter. I wrote and sang pop songs. I, I looked like a pop star. Uh, it was really early days. I think the world wasn't ready to see an Asian man, a Chinese man, singing in English. It's different nowadays. So I started off as、um, a singer-songwriter. The early stuff was across genre. It was like pop folk, folk rock, and all pop. So the first three or four albums were like that, and then it changed in 1990. I approached Polygram and I said I want to do an album which is not like pop, but、um, it'll be very unusual. They weren't so interested, you know.、Um, the China Blue, where、mm. I did one English pop song, one Chinese Mandarin pop song, and the rest were all instrumentals or some Indonesian. It was a really cool mix. That's probably my most famous and most successful album. So they didn't take it. Once I went to an independent company based in New York and Bangkok, and they loved it. And once it came out, BMG took hold of it and released it in Hong Kong, Taiwan, Singapore, and then I got signed to Japan. So you know, a lot of the time, I think that experimentation was definitely due to picking up different instruments and learning how to play them as well as I could. Uh, and then getting to know what we would call ethnic musicians—I、mm. uh, don't know if that's what it was for me. I, I got—I loved Indian classical music, so I got to know a sitar player, Chinese girl who I, I went to PA to learn the Chinese flute properly. For me, it was really a time of experimentation. Where everything was thrown into a cauldron, and things came out beautiful. So I started off as a pop singer. Then I became this like multi-instrumentalist world music guy, and that was also the time when I was working with theatre. The last album in that vein was "Traveling Under Light of the Full Moon" with my、mm. Japanese record company. I'd say the changes I followed were quite drastic, maybe very different from like Jeremy Montero or my peers. You know, Jeremy、uh, Dick or Chris Ho. I, I just ventured forth. I didn't want to feel、uh, confined.、Mm. I, I would have loved to. Become a successful worldwide, successful pop singer in English, but it was the wrong time. It was 1985, 1987, 1989. Wrong time. And Mark, stay with me right here on the show. So keep it right here on One FM 91.3. Okay. Okay. Night call. With Simon Lim tonight on my show, my special guest, connected online, of course, is renowned Singaporean composer, recording artist, singer, instrumentalist, painter Mark Chan. Now, Mark, let's talk about life. So, what would you say, you know, has been your life lessons as an artist, be it music or painting, the journey of an artist? Oh my goodness,、uh-huh. that's a big one, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> well,、uh, now that I'm older and now that I've, I've come through a whole set of Injuries and、uh, a breakup. The most important thing as an artist is you have to protect your inner flame,、mm. your inner world. You have to keep that、uh, precious. You have to keep it alive.、Um, you have to somehow, somehow, because it's harder as you get older. Keep some self-belief. That's a really a difficult thing to do.、Uh, right now, at this point in my life, the past seven to to eight years, I've had a lot of friends go. They've died. Many of them, most of them, are younger than me,、mm. uh, and suddenly I'm feeling lonely. Suddenly I'm feeling I don't have, you know, my best friends. You know, I could bounce things off, open your your mouth with just one sentence, and they understand, and then、mm-hmm. we can go from there. It's it's all new people, and the world has changed. Partly, an artist has to build his own cave around himself,、mm. uh, has to protect the things that gave him strength. Keep alive the things that that make him unique and make him special and make him want to do things. So that's the really hard part. This is why I, I feel that my life lesson is at this moment finding a way to rekindle excitement,、uh, belief, and also finding ways to keep going. 
Uh, what I found this year was I, I met quite a lot of people who grew up with my music. Uh, they're in their 40s now, mm. you know, um, close to 50, and they say, Mark, you know, this album meant so much to me. And I, I kind of get surprised because I'm not the kind of person that goes out and talks to a lot of people. Hey, did you really remember the album? But when it does pop up, it's special. It's, mm. it's very encouraging. Other people may not find it that important. They say, you know, I, I didn't know that I made such an impression on you by telling you how I felt. I said, but you have no idea how much it poured into it. And then when, like 25 years later, mm -hmm. they come back and say, you know, that album, um, Book of Dreams, that one song on it called Betrayed. And someone sang the whole song to my face. Wow. I, I was almost in tears. Said, How do you remember the whole song from 1987 and this year, 2023? And he said, you don't know the impact you made on me, on people. As an artist, as a, as a composer, as a singer, I tend to do the thing to produce the album, the song, the painting, and I let it out to the world and then I, I move on. My life lesson right now is to learn that the stuff I did, which I poured myself into, made a difference somehow. And we're talking now about life, hope and happiness. So what do you hope to do more of? I want to paint more now, partly because my uh, left, left hand is injured mm. and sometimes so frustrating. I can't pick up the flutes or the guitar and it's not, I'm like a beginner on the instruments. Um, I hope to sing a lot more. I hope to exercise more, to walk more. Maybe not to travel more, but travel with the friends that I have left or a couple of new friends, but go to places I've never been. I think I want to learn to appreciate life more, to remember things which I thought were awful and suddenly strangers come up to me and they put a different light on the whole situation. I have to learn to let go of maybe sadness, some bitterness, some regrets and then I, I want to be more sunshiny. So Mark, <laughs> what is your concept of happiness today? Well, it's quite similar to before. I think uh, I'd like to keep on working hard. Mm -hmm. um, I've always worked hard at my music, uh, my writing, my, my painting, just to be able to work and make a living from it to make sure that it's good because nothing that isn't of the best quality leaves my studio. My concept of happiness is to work hard, have a few really good friends, to learn to see things better as we get older because I'm learning that. That's a new concept of happiness for me. And could you share with my listeners, you know, a most meaningful quote? Because, you know, uh, we see you as definitely an artist, you know, in every sense of the word. So what's that quote? I think two quotes. Um, I think it's important for an artist or a songwriter, composer, a writer to remind himself that you're not the center of the universe. You know, the world doesn't revolve around you. When you're working and everything else, yes, it does. But then you have to let it go, right? That's the first thing. If you want to do something, do it with every single cell in your body. Every bit that you can muster, do it like that. To write a play, when you want to make a film, when you want to sing one song, just do it as well as you can. And it can be done. Just try and stay healthy. You know, the body and everything else are connected. Mark, thank you for being such an inspiration to my listeners. And before you go, can you just verify that your website to follow you is actually markchan.com? Yes, it's got some of the older stuff on it and it's quite fine. But there's a lot on my Facebook page, which is uh, Mark Chan Arts. And also on my Instagram page, Mark Chan Arts. That's right. We'll be following you on Instagram. So take care and we'll catch up again soon, okay? Thank you, Simon. It was a pleasure.